Wars. Yeah, some kids came as well. We had a fantastic day's Nerf War, and yet you would not believe that this entire building was turned into a, a, a battle zone yesterday. Um, about 40 of us or something shooting each other. So you might find Nerf bullets dotted around the place here and there and what have you. If you do, um, let me have them, because we're going to do it again, aren't we? It's going to become our... Uh, monthly. Mon- <laughs> monthly, monthly. <laughs> We'll certainly do it again. Um, huge amounts of fun. So, well, today I'm doing uh, the next in the series that I'm doing, uh, which is um, based on service, for serving and finishing well. It's crossing over, crossing over from a kind of mundane living and crossing over into that God zone of life. Um, because God's zone is so much bigger than our safe world, our possibilities. If we step into the riskiness, the danger that is God, the excitement of that. And there's a, a kid's book I used to read, and it talks about Aslan, Aslan the Lion. It was based on the character of Jesus, the Narnia books. And uh, it, one of the characters in there says, he's not a tame lion. He's not a tame lion. And something about our God, our Lord, our Saviour, he's not tame. And we step into his zone and it's a dangerous place. But it's the safest place you could ever be. And that's what we're going to talk about, being in that place today. Uh, entering into the uh, land, raising the game, singing a little louder as we, did earlier, as we talked about earlier. We've looked at one or two areas, the ability to connect. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the ability to connect authentically and build trust with people. And then we looked at the ability to walk in truth a couple uh, weeks or so back. Uh, so we have real connections to soberly judge ourselves and be aware of who we are as people. And uh, this week, we're going to look at the ability to serve and finish well, our finishing um, and the unity that can bring to us. There's another two or three beyond that. So number three, the ability to serve and finish well, moving from the safe zone to a God zone and crossing the line, crossing over into something new. This is really based upon those um, Old Testament stories where God's people entered from a safe place, a wandering place, and they took a line, they took a step over into the, cho- the, cho- the promised land. And it's a dangerous place. It was the place that God had called them to be, but it was a dangerous place. So they stepped into it. They crossed the river, they left Mark and said, now we go forward. This is a place God has called us to be. This is a place of God's promises. But even though it was a place of God's promises, all sorts of challenges and battles were in front of them. And that's true of our life. It's true of our um, life from the moment we commit ourselves to the Lord. And I was just caught up a a comment this morning that somebody made about when you become a Christian and the flack that you get about that. I remember I became a Christian when I was an apprentice. Well, I'd become a Christian as a kid, but recommitted my life when I was an apprentice at British Gas. And um, it was very special doing the kind of building site work with a bunch of young guys, all kind of 17, 18, 19, loud, very vocal, very vulgar, with mouths that, that needed soaping out on a regular basis. And uh, suddenly I walked in one day and said, guys, guess what happened this weekend? Deathly silence. And I thought they were all going to say, wow, amazing. That sounds so exciting. I want to be like you. No. They slid a metal pole through my boiler suit top, down one arm, down the other arm. So I was walking, and then they wedged me between two walls. Well, thanks for your sympathy. I got a one peal of hysterical laughter from the back, and everybody else looked at me blank like, and? <laughs> Cheers, guys. You're supposed to be like broken. In, I have to say now, it's probably be religious persecution. They'd all get fired today. But back in the day, when I told my manager, he said, well, 
well, don't worry about it. Boys will be boys. Thanks. Thanks for your support. So that's what happened to me when I became a Christian. So look, whatever, but it's worth it. So that was, I was about 18 years old when that happened, and here I am 20 years later, and I'm doing handsome. And I've got to tell you, I would do it all again. I would do it all again. This Christian life, entering this God's zone, living well, serving well, seeking to finish well in God is worth every moment. And I just want to tell you um, a story that I've told you before, because this is just amazing. This is purely coincidental that I'm running a marathon. Who's bored of me telling marathon stories? Put your hand up now. Get out of the church. You're no longer wanted here. <laughs> now, you've got to put up with him. I mean, most people tell football stories or whatever, so, but I tell marathon stories. Um, and I'm about to do two or three marathons next month, so I kind of feel like I'm entitled to tell you tedious marathon stories. Um, and I've told you this one before, but this one is just such an amazing story. It's an amazing story. I want you to get hold of this. This is about serving and finishing well. A man serving his country. John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania, 1968, Mexico Olympics. For one thing, he's not been able to train properly because he's from a relatively poor nation at the time. It's a small team that gets sent out to Mexico. Everything's invested in him. There's only a handful of runners from that country there, a handful of athletes. He's doing the marathon and partway through the marathon that he knows he probably won't win anyway. But partway through, he falls, he dislocates his shoulder, and apparently that hurts quite a lot, doesn't it? Dislocates his kneecap, tears all his his leg and cuts it all up, bashes his kneecap back into place, gets up and carries on running. You can imagine it, can't you? (laughs) All the lights have been turned off in the stadium. The medals are being given out two hours earlier for the winner of the marathon. Everybody's going home, and then a radio station, one of the commentators on his way home notices this guy hobbling along with a number on in his shirt, clearly an athlete, with his leg bandaged up, hobbling along. You can see it on YouTube, there's pictures of it. His shoulder's in a kind of a weird thing. And word gets out this guy's still running. And the streets are emptied, suddenly fill up again. And they decide to turn on the lights in the stadium. And people that were leaving the stadium re-enter the stadium. And they all begin to cheer him round. I'm filling up. Um, (laughs) I'm imagining it was me. (laughs) And you know what happened? Look it up on YouTube. You watch him walking in. You think that man should have been in an ambulance, not running around a track. Why did you do it, they asked him. And some of you know what he said. He said this, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. He wanted to serve his country. He'd been asked to serve his country. He was going to serve his country. And he finished well. I love the fact that nobody can, nobody here, unless you Google it, will have any idea who won that marathon. But there's a good chance you know this guy's story. Today we're going to see that every step of serving well is a step towards finishing well. See, there'll have been moments when he was finishing that race where every step physically hurt. Every step physically hurt. When all the odds were against him, and yet, even in the pain, it was a... Can you imagine finishing how it felt? He'll have done 
hundreds of marathons before that, but I bet you that is the one, that line is the one that stuck in his mind. That finishing line will be one that filled his heart for the rest of his life. Even when we feel we're living against the odds, when we live well, when we step by step press through, sometimes all we can do is say, Lord, I'm going to get through today for you. Sometimes I'm going to get through this hour for you. I'm pleased and, and, uh, that the worship kind of caught hold of that. Even sometimes when we're battling, we bring our prayers. Even when the odds are against us, we bring our prayers. Because there's something about this Christian life that is about living bigger. It's living bigger. And I, I sat at the, on the front row this morning thinking, well, why is it living bigger? What is it these people keep coming forward and saying about this old Christian? And I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm, I know I'm past the church, and I've been a Christian a long time, I should have the answer to this. But these people were coming out saying it's bigger. And I got thinking to myself, oh my days, we're the kind of people that believe this, and I do believe this, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And that son, Jesus Christ, loved us completely to live a life amongst us and then to die on a cross for us. And then astonishingly, I believe that he rose again to life and returned to be with the Father. And then even more astonishingly, I believe he's going to return for us. And I actually do believe that because that's what being a Christian is. That's, it's the truth and living your life with that conviction and knowledge and saying to that Jesus, be Lord of my life, that is what I've done, that is who I am, that is my identity, that is what I hold on to, the truth that he then pours out his Holy Spirit onto us to empower us and enable us to live that bigger life. Raising our praise in a storm in every situation. That's who we are. That ability sometimes just to limp on around the track until we reach that finishing line. God is looking for faithful finishers today. Amongst us in this room, God is looking for faithful finishers. It doesn't matter if you've fallen. It doesn't matter if you're, as a Christian, you feel like you've got a dislocated shoulder, a dislocated kneecap. I don't know. I can't even begin to know what that does to your leg when you try to walk. Whether you're cut and bruised. It doesn't matter if everybody else feels like they've finished and gone over the line. It doesn't matter if the crowds are not cheering you on and nobody even knows your name. The point is you're walking for Christ. Yeah. You're pressing into this. If you're running slow, God still wants you to finish. You know, one thing breaks me more than anything else. It's when people are so hurt, limping so much that they drift away, that they surrender. Oh, the pain of that when, even in the pain, they could be pressing through because the Lord will be right there with them. So pray for those around us that, that sometimes are stressing, that are battling. Life is growing up around them. We're going to look at life growing up around us really briefly in a few minutes' time when I look at the parable uh, of, of the sower. Uh, they've decided sometimes that life, uh, this life of faith is just too difficult to survive. Or they're not going to get the glory or recognition, some people even think. And yet when we serve and finish well, the glory of moments becomes unimportant. And the glory of our forever, being with Christ, is everything. We're called by people not of moments, but of movement and momentum. And sometimes all we have to do to maintain movement and momentum is to drag ourselves through our Christian life. Anybody here feel like you sometimes drag yourself through your Christian life? Anybody here find the Christian life completely smooth and easy? It's really hard work, isn't it, at times? And yet, I don't want, if you, I don't need to run away. This is just the most joyful, astonishing thing ever. It's the most joyful, astonishing thing ever that this morning in the middle of worship... I know there are people in this room facing all sorts of kind of things. People like Joshua, who's, who's, who was a near, having a near-death experience, and then in the middle of that, faith rises up, God steps in, in our darkest moments, and we're able to see and experience the love and presence of God. Yeah. 
the miracle of God in our lives. And then suddenly our lives are bigger. Suddenly this morning our lives are bigger because we've heard that story of truth. And you know, you might say, well, he would have got better physically anyway. Yeah, it might have done, but I just love the... You know, the miracle for that story for me is that it was Paul as youth leader's son who was a doctor that winds up being there that's supposed to be in Afghanistan but happens to be the man on duty that walks into that room and prays and believes that this can happen. They're the miracles as well. Oh my word. We live in days of miracles. I don't know what the statistical odds are, Paul, are on that one but they're pretty slim, aren't they? You know, the whole country, the whole world, the son of Paula's youth leaders, who happens to be a doctor, happens to be on duty in that place at that time when he should have been in Afghanistan. At that very moment, he was needed to speak faith into a situation, bringing skills. Thank you, God. That's a moment, but it brings us purpose. We get purpose in God to live bigger. Um, I've got a really controversial statement I was about to read, but I'm not going to read it because it's just negative. And I'm going to challenge negativity and negative people. Well, you know, to negative people, (laughs) Just if you're on Facebook, just just be happy on Facebook, all right? Here's the deal. If you're a Christian on Facebook, that is what people think Christians are. That is who they think Jesus is. So when you put something on Facebook, know that that's what people think Jesus looks like. Put something happy on there, something good on there, something encouraging, something positive. Christ is a bigger way of living, and we need to learn to carry that bigger way of living, um, that amazing gospel. It's about serving others so that we will finish well, and serving others is how we are. So let's have a look at these, um, these verses coming up. It's from Luke chapter 8 of Better Government. Can you see that all right? While a large crowd was gathering, turning your Bibles, Luke, if you don't know Luke, um, was a bit of an historian and a doctor. He lived at the same time of Jesus, one of, one of Jesus' key followers. And he, gave, he, he put together what is accepted, even secularly, to be an accurate um, chronological layout of Jesus' life. Uh, and his desire was to tell accurately who Jesus was and the events that took place through um, Jesus' life and then the beginnings of the church. So this guy's an important guy, recognized as a, a, you know, an important guy that was intelligent and capable and took time to research and, and write this. And this is what he wrote. While a large crowd was gathering and people coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this, this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering the seed. Some fell on the path. It was trampled on and birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. That's the good news. It's a belief in who God is. Those along the path are the ones who hear when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. What's the one word I don't like in all of that? That will be the one. Persevering. The Christian life, yay! 
if you are good soil, is to persevere, to press through, to get the church. I want to encourage you this morning that we have people called to persevere. And in that, we discover something of God. In that, we discover great joy. In that, we discover the presence of God. So if we are serious about passing on our faith to the next generation, to those around us, then we better be determined to finish faithfully ourselves. We've got to live well to live bigger. Who wants to live bigger? What is living bigger? What is the Christian life? Somebody, somebody shouts something out. You know, we just have those one words. This is what, what, ground, what, what, what one event is, and people have one word. What is the Christian life? Somebody just tell me, just offer me something. Sorry? Love. Joy. Joy. Praising. Praising. Abandoned. Abundant. Abundant. I thought it meant abandoned as in, <laughs> yeah, it's all yours, Lord. As opposed to abandoned, I'm nobody. Abundant. Sorry. This is, this is still, after all these decades, I am still northern and you are still southern at these certain moments. I do apologize. Any more? Purposeful. Purposeful. Loving your neighbors. Peace. Worship. Challenging. Thank you. What was that, Keish? <laughs> for those unacquainted, for anybody that's new to the English church, whether you are from, from um, uh, overseas or just not being around church, there was, a, there was, for many decades, the church believed that the only holy food was quiche. And when we got together, we always brought quiche. I just want to tell you, if ever I have a party, do not bring quiche. <laughs> It may be simple and quick to bring, but it's bad when it's served cold. It should only be served fresh and warm, and it does not belong in church. <laughs> Give us this day our daily quiche. It does not say that in Scripture. You've picked up from different people different things that the Christian life is. Uh, I, I want to throw into there, from my perspective as a Christian that's grown through many, many decades, confusing, too big, hard to grapple with. Deep, exciting, frightening, life-changing, enhancing. There are just endless words that can describe the experience of being a Christian. For any one of us, you will get a different story. In fact, tonight, if you want to come along at our 6 o'clock service, we're doing a series of interviews with different people leading different types of lives, and they're going to be interviewed about their experience as a Christian in their workplace or their life setting. So it's not just a preacher like me that stood doing his thing. It's about real Christianity, real life, connecting real people to real God in real life. So if you want to know about that in a non-preachy style, see you tonight at six. It's going to be great. And I believe we're doing a pub quiz afterwards as well. Um, come on. Uh, that, when I say pub quiz, we stay near. So it's not actually a pub, it's a church quiz. But actually, each of us, moving on, each of us is an example of the Christian life already being lived. Just think on that. If you've given your life to Jesus, who you are, what you say, how you are, how you do, how you respond, how you, just how you are as a person is an example of the Christian life. You get that, don't you? The Christian life isn't that book that you read about the guy that gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning, prays for four hours to decide which 
type of socks to put on and walks half an inch above the ground performing miracles. You know, the guy that goes to the bus station without any money but in faith beliefs he will get a bus ticket and miraculously somebody says, brother, I want to buy you a bus ticket and he gets on the bus free of charge and all those kind of miracles just arrive around him. Does anybody have those experiences? No, me neither. I know some people do. I know that stuff is genuinely happening in some people's lives. But the real Christian life is your life. Is your life being lived, empowered by the Holy Spirit. What people see is the Christian life. So let's serve well. Let's serve Christ well in our everyday thinking and doing and being so that we can finish well. Each of us is an example. Yep, that's right. I want you to think upon your last seven days. Let's just take a moment to think about all the things you said in the last seven days. The words that you uttered at certain times when you hit your thumb with the hammer. When you find out your shifts have been changed at work. The things that you watched on TV. The quick internet search that you did. Boom. That's the Christian life. The Bible says we're ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. Uh, We've seen a lot about ambassadors at the moment. Ambassadors are really important, aren't they? People that go out and represent something. We're in the middle of Brexit at the moment. Who's enjoying that? It's exciting, isn't it? Brexit. I know it's the thing is, please don't worry about Brexit. It's not real. It's just a story on TV because nothing in real life could be so ridiculous. So don't worry. It's like a giant April Fool's and on April 1st they're going to go, ha, I got you. I promise you, none of it's real. Looking at Brexit, we are sending ambassadors out to fix things, to sort things out, to make arrangements, to sign deals. Oh, Lord. And I see Christians all over Facebook believing one thing or believing, God has told me that we should stay in Europe. God has told me that we should leave Europe. God has told me I have no idea whatsoever. All these extremes of pronouncements and ins and outs and causing division amongst families and within churches and on church leaderships and all that kind of thing. So what I want to say to you, the church is not to be found in the center of a left or right political world. The church is to be a tribe of its own, beyond left or right, and find its identity from the center of its life in Christ. What we are are people that unite. What we are are people that love. What we are are people that bind together. What we are are people that speak the love of God into our world and into our, our nation right now. Our place is not to divide or to provoke or to needle or to cause harm or, harm or hurt. Our, our voice is to be one of unity, of reconciliation, of care and of love and of compassion. That's who we are called to be because our, our commitment, our priority is to Jesus Christ first and to his kingdom. I want you to understand something. In the UK, I can say that. There are some countries around the world I can't say that. If I were to say my first allegiance is to Jesus Christ and his kingdom, I could be arrested for that. Thank the Lord we live in the UK. That we get to have this ridiculous squabble about where we belong. But for us, we know we belong to Christ and we can publicly proclaim that. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at this Christian life. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. Paul the Apostle writes this. 
I'm already been poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which, is the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me but also to all who have, have longed for his appearing. This is Paul the Apostle, one of the great writers. The great writer of the New Testament, uh, follower and leader of the church, right at its very beginning. And he writes that. He's run his race. He's done his marathon. He's, he's served well. And he's coming to the finishing line. In fact, he's about to give his life for Christ. And he writes this, the verse before those verses. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep your head, church. Keep your head. Do the right work of the evangelist. Share the good news. Do all that we can to serve the Lord in every circumstance. That's what he's saying. Circumstances may be hard, they may be blessed, but we serve the Lord. And having made this appeal to Timothy, he tells his own testimony and says, I have run the race. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. You know when he says being poured out like a drink offering? Do you know what that's? That's a reference to the Old Testament. It's a sacrifice that the Jewish people made uh, over the altar, a drink offering. But here's the thing. It represented a price being paid and a cost, but it was also represented joy. It also represented joy. So there was joy in the ability to make that offering because it was given out of abundance. So church, I want you to know, even when there is pain, even when there is challenge, if people make fun to you, um, scripture actually says, count it all as pure joy. Count it all as pure joy if you're persecuted uh, in, in his name. There can be joy even in the hardship. He says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. I want to be able to say when I come to the end of my race, I've kept the faith. Church, you can keep the faith every day. The only call on you is to keep the faith for the next hour. And the next hour after that, keep the faith. Then there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Church, I've got to tell you, I long for Jesus to return. I long for him to return. That's not a frightening thing. That's an amazing thing. I'm not afraid of that because I know he loves me. I'm not afraid of that because I know what he says and I trust his word. And so when he returns, that is going to be amazing. Hollywood cannot do justice to what that will be. Let's be people that long for his appearing. And then we get to find something. We get to find a life with no restrictions, even as we're poured out. We can do that without fear. We don't want to hold anything back. We're prepared to be poured out like an offering. A life of no restrictions. I want to live a life of no restrictions for God. Not second-guessing, not looking over my shoulder, but a life of no restrictions. Number two, I want to live a life with no regrets. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want to be able to say one day that that is what I've done. And do you know what I can do? Some days, I can get to the time on my head, it's a pillow, at the end of the day. And on some days, I can say, today, I have fought the good fight. Today, I have finished the race. Today, I have kept the faith. And sometimes that's enough for today I get to do that. Church, I encourage you, take today. Take today, take Monday morning, and do everything you can so that by the end of Monday, Monday, when you, your head hits the pillar, you can say, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. And all I had to do was to do it for one day. I've got to tell you, the blessing in that is astonishing. The third thing we get to do is we have a life without rejection. A life without rejection. Now there is in store for me the crown for all those who long for his appearance. God sees all that we are. God sees our heart for him. He sees that we long for him and that his reward and honour in that. 
It's the very essence of all that people pursue in life. People want to live a life without restrictions. People want to live a life without regrets. People want to live a life that isn't rejected. And in Christ we find it. I just want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus is, if you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, as you grow in him, as you discover him, as you commit your life to him, and as the time passes and you discover all he is and all he has to say to you and all he wants to invest into you, there is a promise of a life without restrictions, a life without regret, and a life without rejection. Is that an amazing thing? Well, it blew me away when I worked that out. When I read those things, when I worked it through, and I was reading those verses from Paul, I just thought, all my days, I am being told I can live a life without restrictions for him. I can live a life where I have the opportunity to have no regret. I can live a life where I know I'm not rejected, but I'm accepted. Wow, our God's good. It's the very essence of all that people want. I've got this idea to finish well means to live now for a purpose. Church, he wants to put a, a purpose into your now situation, into your today, into your next 10 minutes, in this very moment, into all that you're about to do when you have tea and coffee and chat with people, into your situation as you leave this place and wander off into town and most of you go shopping in Morrison's, and I know you do, because <laughs> I've seen you when I've been there. Right, I want to get really weird now. Have I got the last five minutes? Can I get weird on you? Is that all right? Let's get weird. Wouldn't it be wonderful to spend your whole life knowing that this is your last month that you're alive? I want you to imagine this is your last month of life. After this month, it's all over. This is it. You've been given 30 days. Not even 31, it's a short month. 30 days. What would you change? How would you live differently? What would you say differently? Where would you go? What would you do? How open would you be in your conversation? What would... Oh. I don't want to be a person that dies with regrets. I don't want to be a person that's lived life with restrictions. I don't want to be a person that's living life thinking I may be rejected. I want to live abandoned without restrictions. I want to live without regrets for God. I want to know that no matter what happens, I'm acceptable to him for this next month and I'm going to live like that's it at the end of the month. Wow. Imagine what I'd say to my friends and my family, to my neighbours, to my work colleagues. So here's the challenge. Here's my challenge to you. From next Sunday, we're about to enter um, a period of prayer as a whole church. I'm going to dish out some prayer cards next week. There'll be a fresh card each week with a series of verses on. And you can tick them as you read them and you can pray into those things that are on those verses. So the whole church will have the opportunity to pray into the same areas, to be reading the same things each day, to be trying to connect to God in the same way. So we're going to get a month of living our life before God. And together we can encourage one another and say, effectively, we're praying, and some of those days will be fasting days as well. We're going to be saying today, how do we live like this is it? How do we live this month as a church? How do I live this month as an individual saying, this is it, God? This month is yours. I'm going to encourage you to live those days if they were your last days on earth. Who fancies living like it was your last day on earth? I'm not sure what to say to it myself, and it's my idea. Wow. How will you change your living? How will you change your living? If a meteorite is guaranteed to land on you today, what's the last TV program you want to be found watching? What do I need to learn before it lands on me? What about that person 
that I fell out with? What about that person I wanted to spend more time with? What about those people you want to share your life and faith with? What should I say if it could be the last time I see that person? I'm not going to go into details, but as a family and one or two of us knew, we had a bit of a shock this week that somebody quite young, just out of nowhere, passed away, died in an accident, a young woman. You know, the amazing thing is, for all the problems she had in life, she gave her life to the Lord some years ago as a child. I hold on to the truth of that, because nobody would have expected a young woman of 29 years old would be fit and healthy one day and gone the next. Church, what would we say to people? Because it may not be my last day, my last month, but it might be theirs. We've got to live a life with that degree of urgency. There are three principles that one month living requires. That we live courageously. That we love completely. And that we live humbly. I love what I discovered. Um, th- 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 this is me being clever. George Eliot. Is George Eliot a woman dressed up as a man? So she's a woman author dressed up as a man. So, okay, and she said this anyway. You see, it's a modern world and always has been. I love what George Eliot says. It's never too late to be what you might have been. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Who might we be in Christ? Who might we be in Christ? It's never too late. I'm breathing. It's never too late to be who I can be in Christ. In Jesus, it's never too late to be who he would have you be. It's serving and finishing well. Our salvation isn't about getting us into heaven. It's about getting heaven into us. Get hold of that. Our salvation isn't about getting us into heaven. It's about getting heaven into us. It's serving and finishing well. It's praying your kingdom come. Who's going to be brave this Monday morning? Who's going to live courageously? Who's going to love completely and live humbly? Who's going to be prepared to sing a little louder? Can I have the band back up, please? So my challenge, my encouragement to us this morning is that in the midst of this Christian life, the crossing line to God's zone, there are some massive things that we have the opportunity to do. Some massive things that we have the opportunity to be. We have, we have the opportunity to be ambassadors for Christ. That's a scriptural verse. The, the Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent him on earth. We carry his words, his heart, his character. Who he is, we get to be. We get to learn to be. So, church, the band are going to lead us in an appropriate song. What are you leading us in? Let it be Jesus. Good option. We like to do this thing slickly. Let it be Jesus. Church, I'm going to encourage you this morning, as the band begins to sing this song of worship over us, I want you to weigh yourself before God. I want us to know yourself, to judge yourself soberly, Scripture says, and maybe to pray to you, but pray to offer yourself to the Lord and to say, Jesus, I want to live courageously. I want to love completely. I want to live humbly. I want to cross the line. I want to serve and to finish well. And Lord, would you help me to start doing that right now? Would you pour your spirit on me and encourage me and inspire me to live well now? Church, we don't have time to play. There's a world out there that doesn't know who Jesus is. And by the end of today, some of them are not going to get home. And never will get home. And here we are with this amazing truth. 
here we are with this amazing, wonderful, astonishing, inspiring, exciting truth of Jesus Christ, who gives us life. So as the band sing over this, I'm going to encourage you to do something. I'm not going to say even come forward. If you want to come forward, you're welcome to do that, and one of us will come and pray with you and encourage you. But just as you're ready and praying a prayer, I want you to ask, Lord, would you empower him? Would you make me strong enough to live courageously, to love completely, and to live humbly, to cross that line and to serve well until it's the finishing line? And by all means, pray, Lord, would you help me to do that just for today? Would you help me do that today? Would you help me do that from Monday morning? That's a good prayer. And it's a prayer I believe the Lord will answer. Then if you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, we love to say this. If you don't know who he is and you're thinking, what is he talking about? Maybe there's some truth in this. I want to tell you, being a Christian is just astonishing. It's not just life changing. It's one life ending and a new life beginning. It's so much bigger than just changing. The Bible says we are new creations. New creations. You are reborn. And so I'm going to finish by praying this prayer. And this prayer is a prayer we pray when we give our lives to Jesus and become a Christian for the very first time. It's a good reminder to all of us. And if you're not a Christian this morning, I encourage you to pray this prayer. And what I'm going to ask you to do is come and just stand down here and somebody will come and be with you and pray with you and give you something and explain what being a Christian is in a little more detail and give you things to help with that process. If you want to recommit your life to the Lord, that's a great place to come and stand to. So I'm going to finish by praying this prayer to remind us all of our life in Christ. Lord Jesus, I know I've done things wrong in my thoughts and words and actions. There are so many good things I've not done. There are so many wrong things I have done. I'm sorry for those wrong things and turn from everything I know to be bad. You gave your life for me on a cross and grateful I give my life back to you. Now I ask you to come into my life. Come in as my saviour to clean me. Come in as my Lord to lead me. And I will serve you all the remaining days of my life. Amen. So weigh that before God. Live humbly. Live courageously. Give it to God. And if you want to know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to come and talk to us. We'd love to lead you to him, to introduce you to him, to see your life recreated. For the rest of us, let's listen to the band worship. And as you're ready, stand where you are as your gift, as your outpouring, as your joyful sacrifice. Amen. Amen.